Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with the Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc, that's hashtag Talk with a Doc, for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Hello, everybody. I'm going to be your host, Simona Trekiska, today with Providence. Today, we're having Medical Director Advanced Endoscopy at St. Jude Medical Center, Providence, Dr. Phoenix Wing. And joining us as well is Lorraine Peterson, who is a GERD patient and a patient of Dr. Wing. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Dr. Wing, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Providence? Yes, so I'm, uh, like you said, uh, the medical director for advanced uh, therapeutic endoscopy at St. Jude Medical Center in Fullerton. And it's uh, one of the hospitals, uh, part of the Providence system, which is uh, probably the largest in the Western uh, US, uh, of course, next to Kaiser, but um, we're, we're big, we're growing. Uh, we're, I'm very proud to be part of Providence. Thank you so much. And Lorraine, can you tell us a little bit more about you, except, uh, you know, being a GERD patient? You are way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> well, I, I'm an active 66-year-old uh, woman who I work full-time. I'm self-employed. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a signing agent, and I worked with my husband for many years. He's a physician. Um, have an active life, grandchildren, children, just that's great. Plugging along. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So today we're here to talk about GERD, which is a gastroesophageal reflex disease. Dr. Wink, can you tell us a little bit more about GERD, what it is, what are the symptoms, and how often does it appear? Yeah, so like you said, GERD is uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease, and it's a fairly common entity. Um, one quarter of the American population have some form of GERD. And GERD can present a variety of different ways. Um, it's a spectrum disease, so patients can have milder conditions or more severe conditions. Uh, the typical GERD symptoms are uh, patients describe the heartburn, regurgitation, uh, acid coming up into the esophagus from the stomach. Uh, you can have chest pain. Patients come in the ER and they have chest pain and it can mimic a heart attack where it's uh, esophageal in origin. Um, other atypical GERD symptoms can include uh, hoarseness, cough, um, lung conditions like asthma, COPD, um, and uh, dental erosions, and the list just goes on. Um, so you can have the typical symptoms of GERD, or you can have atypical symptoms, and it affects a lot of us. Um, that's why we're here today. It's just a common entity. Mm -hmm. What would you say that are the biggest causes of GERD? So the mechanism behind GERD, uh, we think now it's uh, a mechanical failure of the bottom of the esophagus, and there are actually two um, sphincter mechanisms. When you swallow, the food goes down into your esophagus, and at the bottom of the esophagus, there is a sphincter. And that holds the, the stomach contents in its place. Um, that sphincter over time can shorten, it can weaken, and um, therefore acid reflux can occur. 
Uh, the other mechanism of the other sphincter we now understand is the diaphragm. The diaphragm is what you breathe with and it separates your chest and your abdomen. And the stomach should be below the diaphragm, but what happened over the years is the stomach can slide up into the chest above the level of the diaphragm. And that's called a hiatal hernia. And the hiatal hernia is a component, it's a mechanism, and it's part of GERD. Other mechanisms are um, you have an angle that the esophagus forms with the stomach. And that angle over time can become more obtuse and therefore reflux can occur. Uh, patients also, um, it's a somewhat of a hereditary condition. So they would say, you know, my mom has it and so therefore I would have it. Um, there are a few ligaments that kind of hold the structure in place and those ligaments can be broken over time. So those are some of the mechanisms behind GERD. It's actually, it's a mechanical failure over the years of eating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's not something that people can fix on their own. Yeah, so early on in the disease, if it's an early spectrum, uh, you have milder conditions, patients can uh, modify what they eat, uh, certain things bring on GERD, for example, wine and uh, tomatoes and chocolates and mints and citrus foods and the list just goes on. Um, and so if you avoid some of those foods, you can um, control your symptoms and weight really has to do with GERD. So the heavier we are, the more GERD we have. And when we lose the weight, you'll see the symptoms are better controlled. So some of those things, you know, when you have milder conditions, you can control the symptoms with the lifestyle changes, less um, eating. Mm -hmm. But as we uh, see with the majority of the patients, the condition worsens over time. So patients often come in and they say, you know, doc, I've been taking this anti-acid medication for 20 years and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you know, it's not working anymore. The condition has worsened. It doesn't fix itself because it's a mechanical failure again. Um, it doesn't correct itself. And it's really mm -hmm. not much you can do from that point on. Mm -hmm. And Lorraine, thank you, Dr. Wynn. Lorraine, what were your symptoms? Do you relate to some of the symptoms that Dr. Wynn described? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. But my symptoms, I have a twofold problem. And so I have a chronic lung condition, which started back in 1970. So, um, I think years of chronic coughing also may have break, broken down that mechanical element that she's referring to. So I think that helped that. But I also had, um, I had stomach issues too. I had an ulcer when I was 16. So I've always had some kind of gastric um, issues going on. But it's been mostly my lung condition that has been my biggest problem. And so over the years, I do have COPD, I have bronchiectasis, and I also have a mycobacterium now. I had a lung resection done in 2000, so they took out part of both of my lungs. Um, and But in the last five years, my coughing has increased dramatically uh, with copious amounts of sputum and it wasn't making sense with my lungs and it made more sense that it was the GERD and that was when I my pulmonologist sent me to see Dr. Wynn they did some a study the Bravo study and and realized that that was a huge part of what was going on and since the surgery it certainly has 
decreased a certain element of my cough. It's I, now I can di differentiate what is coming from the lung and what's coming from mm -hmm. the GERD. So mm -hmm. it's been it's been a tremendous help to me. But. Thank you, Lorraine. And when you mentioned surgery, so Dr. Wynn, what kind of surgery did you perform? Yeah, so when we talk about the disease or GERD, uh, we discussed the spectrum. So earlier on lifestyle modification. In patients in the intermediate category, we have uh, anti-acid medications that can control the symptoms. So the anti-acid medication can range from more simple things like over-the-counter Tums, Melox, and then you can step up with an H2 blocker, which is um, uh, better in terms of acid control. Um, and then a more potent medication is the proton pump inhibitor. And there, there are many different types of medications. They function similar way, which is to control the acid. But really, you control the acid in your stomach, but things can still back, back up. You can resume mm -hmm. reflux, but you're not refluxing acidic material. So we have patients on medication, but sometimes, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, patients still have food come up or the cough is still there because the mechanism is actually not the acid that's causing the cough. Um, and then uh, after the medical treatment with all the anti-acid medication, we talk about intervention. And intervention, traditionally, uh, we think of the Neeson funnification, which is a surgical technique. Uh, it's a complete wrap. It's 360-degree wrap. We've gone away from that um, lately because of the associated complications with patients having problems swallowing and problem mm -hmm. burping and bloating. And really, it goes down to the balance between just enough so that you can prevent reflux, but not too tight so that you can't eat or burp. Um, so then we now, um, the endoscopic and surgical option with the transoral incisionless funplication called the TIF procedure, T-I-F, um, it uh, accomplishes that balance. It's just enough. Um, so TIF uh, provides and creates a three-centimeter valve, and it's a 270-degree wrap. So it's not 360. So patients don't have any problems swallowing, and it's just enough mm -hmm. to prevent reflux. And so what we did for um, Lorraine is a com combined procedure, I believe. Is that correct? We yes. repaired the hernia. Um, so she had a um, hiatal hernia where part of her stomach is up into the chest. And we brought the stomach down. And robotically, we repaired the diaphragm. And then endoscopically, we did the TIF procedure to create the valve. And so that in conjunction um, as a concomitant procedure, uh, took care of the GERD component of your cough. Yeah, it did. Thank you for sharing. And Lorraine, how was that procedure for you and the recovery after the, after that? The the procedure was fine. It was one I stayed one night in the hospital. And they had me pretty well prepared for what to expect afterwards as far as diet is concerned. It's just like I had to train this thing to work. So it was clear liquids to liquids to mushy foods to soft foods. And it 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 is a commitment to to do that. And I can't say, you know, you, you just have to buckle down and, and do it. I didn't, I wanted this to work. 
I really was committed to making the choices I had to make. And the matter of eating very small meals, um, oh, more frequent small meals to just to train it. You're literally training this thing to work. And so it, it was a commitment. I can't say it was easy all the time, but it was certainly well worth it. And it is always been a trajectory in the right direction. I could always tell it was getting a little bit better every day. And every week I could see that I was making benchmarks and, and uh, I was able to get back to more normal, no, more normal eating. And also in doing that, now I actually do chew my food more and I eat more slowly and I eat more frequent small meals, which are probably good lifestyle changes anyway. So it's all been, it's all been good. Um, you know, the procedure itself was, was pretty easy making the decision, you know, I was like, okay, big decision to make, but I felt confident and it's worked out very, very well. It's been a good thing. And the cough has, dramatically improved. Um, I think, you know, I was, I, I, I took enough antacids where I wasn't getting stomach acid that was coming up, but I was regurgitating and that it can complicate the lung issue because if you get spillage into the lungs, they're thinking that this has a tremendous um, effect on the lung issues. So I didn't want that to get any worse either. So I'm very happy so far. Well, you seem like a woman with a lot of strength and you have overcome <laughs> a lot in yeah. regards to your personal health. Yeah. So it's something that we all can get inspired um, hearing. So thank you for sharing. Oh, and my pleasure. <laughs> Dr. Wynn, how, um, how important it is to provide a very personalized care for your patients? I think it is very important. That's a nice point to bring up. Thank you. Um, everyone's different and everyone reacts to what we do differently. So we like to, um, in our practice, cater the treatment um, to the individual and not, it's not a cookie cutter for everyone. So not, it's not right for everyone. Um, I think the, the very big advantage of TIF is that or for earlier condition, for smaller hernia, it can be done without surgery. And that's the greatest part of this whole thing is we have um, that bridge between medical therapy and surgical intervention. And TIF can be done for patients with a smaller hernia without um, surgery. And patients have great outcomes. Um, we're able to get the patients off their medications without all the side effects with the medications and they're very happy. So, like, I, yeah, everyone is different, and they may not need the procedure at all. And sometimes they come in to see us, and all it takes is a little bit of adjustment and, you know, their life and um, their symptoms improve. Um, you know, when it, it hits other structures like the lung, then, you know, we're a little bit more careful, and we may intervene um, more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of the lifestyle choices that you would advise people to consider so they can avoid GERD? Yeah, I think because it has a little bit to do with hereditary. And so we've had younger patients that we've had to treat. Um, mm -hmm. And like Lorraine said, 
she's modified her diet with the smaller meals, not so fatty, and just eating the right thing, keeping your weight down is key because um, I think the GERD, I would say it's an epidemic, has to do with the increasing um, very, uh, obesity epidemic that we have. Mm -hmm. So I think if we control our weight, keep our health um, you know, in control, then the GERD will be uh, controlled. Sometimes you just can't help it and you have to blame your mom. <laughs> well, yesterday evening we had guests over at my house and I did have a bite of pizza quite late and I was thinking Dr. Wynn is not going to be happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, knowing that we're going to have this conversation today. <laughs> so I tell everyone before you put anything in your mouth, you have to call me and check to see if it's okay. <laughs> Well, just like Lorraine mentioned, uh, the simple act of chewing properly and enough, it's so important. It can really help the stomach to do its job better. <laughs> yeah, even simple things like that. Um, we tend to eat quick and yeah. tend not On the to run. enjoy our food. And, and um, yeah, we eat and we work and we do other things. And so it's become a big problem in the U.S., Mm -hmm. uh, Lorraine, thank you, Dr. Wynn. Lorraine, what, do you, can you tell me a little bit about the symptoms that you experienced? If, let's say, someone is noticing a, a few, should they be concerned? Should they go and talk to their doctor? Should they look online for more information? Well, I mine was what they refer to as silent GERD, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Wynn. Um, and the increased cough, increased sputum. But I also noticed that little things like the reflux was so bad, I would I could eat. And then if I went to go put the laundry from the washing machine into the dryer, I could feel it coming right back up. Mm. Uh, you know, and I not eating late is a big one, too, because since once you lie down, it just it just, you can feel it coming right back up. So yeah. that was a big symptom. Um, I think they were so concerned with the cough. My, it was my pulmonologist who sent me to Dr. Wynn. He said, you know, you may not be a good candidate. You may be a good candidate. She'll sort that out. But I would like to at least explore that, you know, that possibility. And then one thing led to another and then we did the surgery. But for me, the increased cough, um, I know that put a tremendous strain on my abdomen and I've, and that may have affected it as well. But I didn't want to have, and I could tell the reflux was bad. I could feel it coming back up and I didn't want that to cause any spillage into the lung. And that could be a dangerous problem. But aspiration mm -hmm. pneumonia is not something to mess around with. And also cancer, the esophagus from right. lit reflux. Yeah. Right. So right. Um, the big, uh, the esophageal cancer is just on the rise. And I think because GERD is so common and sometimes we just don't feel the heartburn and you're still regurgitating and doing damage. And it goes into pre-cancer called Barrett's and then cancer of the esophagus, which is a very aggressive cancer. So. Um, whatever we can do to treat the GERD either earlier on or intervene, in addition to making you feel better, less cough, getting off the medication, but also 
perhaps decreasing risk of esophageal cancer development. Right. Mm -hmm. Dr. Wynn, do you feel that drinking carbonated drinks is uh, affects that too? Because I found I've stopped drinking them completely, and I think it feels much better too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't tell you. <laughs> you that out yourself, but um, because carbonated beverages tend to, it can distend your stomach, and then with gastric distension, it kind of pushes up, and then you'll have more burping and reflux. And when you reflux uh, air or burp, it can reflux acidic contents as well. Right, right. Yeah. So we discourage uh, carbonated beverages. But then we discourage everything. So then <laughs> that's <laughs> true. You can't eat this. <laughs> the two things that really um, strike me were chocolate and wine. I love chocolate and wine. <laughs> we just took pizza off your list. <laughs> and pizza. Um, Dr. Um, Wynne, like Lorraine uh, mentioned, that for her it was a silent GERD. Is there something that people um, can ask their doctor when they're going for their physical exams? They can double check if this is something that is happening to them. Um, what kind of conversation can they have with their primary doctor? Yeah, I think the I see commonly that the patient have the patients have the symptom for so long that they just kind of live with it. And they don't notice that they're coughing chronically. And after we perform the fun application, the fa patient's family members say, wow, something happened. You're not coughing mm -hmm. chronically. So it's something that we live with for so long. They take the medication for so long. Um, and they just think that that's normal and that's just themselves. And um, so it has to do with a little bit of the primary care, bringing up the symptom and asking about it and the patient coming in to the doctor and say, you know, is this right for me to be taking this medication for 20 years? Um, is it right to have the stomach acid shut off? I mean, God didn't want our stomach not to have acid. It's meant to have acid, right? Yes. So I think it's a conversation. It works both ways. Um, I think the patient needs to be more active in their care. Mm -hmm. um, so a few times when I have gone out uh, to meet with girlfriends, I see that they carry this little box with pills. And when I have asked them what it is, they say, oh, I just have an acid in my stomach. How common it is that people are self-healing or medicating themselves? Very common. It's all over the counter. Yeah, the PPI is over the counter. H2 blockers over the counter. And I see the millennials, they wear boots and the boots have a little pocket on the side. And I said, what do you have in that little pocket? Is it your car key, your AirPod? No, it's a PPI. <laughs> so oh my when goodness. I go out drinking, oh I pull it off of my shoe. It's uh, so, very common. So what is your advice for people who are, what is your advice for people who are taking this medication? Yeah, so the, the patients who take chronic medication and their symptoms aren't controlled, I think that should be brought up. If you had uh, chronic GERD and all of a sudden something's changed, uh, the symptoms go away, that's also something concerning. Something new about their symptom or now the medications don't work anymore. Um, I think there are some worrisome features, of course, if they're having problems swallowing food. Um, they need to bring that up to their physician for an evaluation. 
Lorraine, uh, based on your experience, um, what do you tell uh, patients now or people who have gone through the same experience as you? Well, I've been back to a lung center in Denver um, a couple of times. And there are a lot of people, like she say, you kind of get used, especially if you have a chronic cough, you kind of accept that. That's what I got to live with. That's, you know, I've just got to learn to accept it and I'm going to make the best of it and try and deal with the symptoms um, as they come along. And to be able to get rid of some of that, not even knowing that it was GERD, not, and I knew I had GERD, but not realizing what an effect that had on my chronic cough. Believe me, my family's very happy um, not to hear me coughing so much. <laughs> so I've gotten, it, it's cut it way down. Now I know what, what the coughing is from that. So I would encourage people who do have chronic lung condition as well, just, you know, if it's just GERD and this can take care of it, that you're not going to cough. But I coughed a lot after eating especially that would go through a coughing fit right after eating and it would, you know, go on and on. Um, that's gone. That's, that is completely that's gone. Great. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's wonderful. Believe me from my end, it's really wonderful. Um, but I, I would encourage people to, uh, not, not get complacent about it. Um, uh, stay on top of it, know your body, understand whatever, some changes. I knew my cough had increased and we couldn't really come, you know, couldn't put our finger on what that was. And um, so I've learned how to take control of my own health and, and become an advocate for myself. And I would encourage patients to do that and to learn as much as they can um, there's a lot of information out there and you can be very well informed. Um, and I encourage everybody to do that. I mean, you really have to be captain of your own ship. That's, mm -hmm. you know, I have a wonderful crew of doctors, but I'm the one who has to be the one who's compliant. I, I know, I know when a doctor's asking me to go beyond what I know I can be compliant with, and I'm not going to make promises I can't keep either. I know I know my lifestyle and how this is going to run and I can, but I can be very self-disciplined as well. And it, it requires that as well. You just have to take it all seriously and want to be healthy and not, you know, that's, that's half the battle right there. So it seems like self-awareness, acceptance, dedication, commitment, and positive <laughs> thinking are all yeah. part of the, yeah. of the journey. Yeah. Right. It is. It is. But that's for, for all of us. And everybody's got some health problem. But I had to take, you know, I had to really be active in my own health and not expect somebody else to just have the magic bullet. Because <laughs> I have a yeah. lot of responsibility where this is concerned. And I want to be healthy. I'm active and I want to stay that way. And I want to be healthy and I don't want to be a victim of some um, uh, you know, of, of, a of a disease or a condition, I'm not going to be a victim of it. I'm going to try and figure out how I can best deal with it. So, so having faith and really positive thinking. Oh, well, faith has been a big part for me that truly it's given me the strength to, uh, to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. I can't do it on my own. <laughs> I've got help. 
Well, I'm so happy that you are well. So happy. Me too. And, <laughs> and Dr. Wynne, um, it seems like you are friends with Lorraine. How important it is to build meaningful relationships um, when there is treatment and when things are tough at times? Yeah, I... Uh, I think Gloria gave you my cell phone the first night. Yes, she did. Call, call me anytime. I'd rather know about um, any uh, issue. I think it's similar to uh, obesity. And if there is a good relationship um, that is built from the get-go, the results are always better. Um, so we see patients uh, a week to two out, three to four weeks out, three to four months out. And between six and 12 months, we do a another uh, pH study that Bravo that Lorraine mentioned to measure acid to see, you know, what, what does the valve look like? Are you refluxing anymore? Um, so more of an objective uh, measurement uh, after therapy. So we track patients out to a year, two years. Um, and that relationship really helps, helps me to know that the patients are doing well, but also, um, and I do have this hammer. <laughs> you eating pizza? <laughs> Invisible hammer. <laughs> Simona's like, bye. <laughs> it's a velvet hammer. <laughs> I think success, uh, the outcomes are better when the relationship is, uh, is strong between the doctor and the uh, patient. Well, if I might add, you have to feel comfortable with your doctor and Dr. Wynn made it very, she made me feel comfortable from the very beginning. And the explanation, I mean, I got very detailed um, explanations that I could be comfortable with, that I would understand. You know, it's just like, help me to understand it and then I can move forward and we can link arms and we can do this together. Um, so she's very good at, at that. And that was very much appreciated. And that's why I was able to go forward and feel comfortable because it's a big decision. It is a big decision. It's a big commitment. I mean, it's it, it may not sound like it, but you know, when you can't eat, for a few weeks, it's <laughs> to, to really eat any eat anything satisfying. It becomes a challenge, and you're trying to find things to eat and things that you can do. But it's not that hard. It really isn't. And I, you know, it really, I probably had it built up in my head that it was going to be harder than it was, and it, it wasn't that bad. And it it goes by very quickly, and you really don't feel like eating more than that anyway. So it's not a big deal. It was well, you have a lot of strength inside of you, so I think that maybe you weren't realizing that it will be something that you can really handle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Wynn and I talked about this human connection um, last time, and you know, behind every procedure, behind every treatment, behind every scientific discovery or innovation, there is the human drive, and Dr. Wynn has been doing this work for quite some time, and Dr. Wing, can you share with us a little bit about your motivation to be in this field? Oh, you're looking at her, Lorraine. She's sitting right there. <laughs> the motivation. I think, um, wow, I thought about this question and um, the, the opportunity to do something to help the patient that's not surgical. I think now if we can do everything endoscopically without surgery, uh, with the procedure to help patients get them off, get the patients off the PPI, decrease cancer risk, 
Uh, we do not like cancer. And um, uh, when Lorraine talked about the six week of recovery and altered diet, during that six weeks, we actually accomplished about 20 pound weight loss. And I encouraged the weight uh, loss because the symptoms would be better controlled. But I used that period um, for the weight loss as a, like an additional benefit, like a bonus. Because with the weight loss, a lot of our patients are they're happier, they feel lighter, and they feel healthier. Um, so I use the weight loss as a little bit of a bonus. Um, so the drive, um, the motivation is to do things that non, it's not surgical, uh, less intervention if possible, get patients off medications, and decrease cancer risk. Um, that's what I wake up to every day. And, seeing Lorraine happy without a cough and being able to lift the laundry off from the machine. <laughs> she may not want to do that. Yeah. She have her husband do the laundry, but now she can pull the laundry. <laughs> and yeah. That's a big thing. Um, and that's what I wake up to every day. It's mm. Lorraine. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah, mm. it's, uh, it's been good. It's good on all things. Yeah, it's amazing how new discoveries and innovations such as the TIF procedure can make things so much easier and better for patients. Oh, no, it's public. vastly improved. It's improved my life. And, and you will notice throughout this podcast that I have not coughed. Yeah. I just want you, I want you to know that. I want you to yeah. <laughs> I want I wanted so, you to say that. I didn't want to say that. I have not coughed once. Now watch it. I'll probably cough, but I don't say jinx it. <laughs> but it's been it it it's uh, it really improves. It really has improved my life. Well, I cannot thank you enough to both of you of being here today with us. Um, for anyone listening, please go to the doctor and advise with your primary care provider if you're experiencing any of these symptoms that you heard about today. Uh, Dr. Wynn, again, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate your time. Lauren, thank you so much. And uh, this podcast, it's for informational purposes only, um, but we were very happy to get together and share some really useful um, and valuable information. Thank you again both so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank Have a both. beautiful day. You too.